You are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Sounds pretty simple and straightforward. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. We first really hear this biblical teaching in the book of Exodus in the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments that we remember on the first Sunday of every month. And the Ninth Commandment tells us, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. In other words, tell the truth about your neighbor. Don't lie about your neighbor. This teaching was primarily used in ancient times, hundreds of years before the time of Jesus, settling disputes among people over property, over thievery, over violence with one another. This was in the days long before the time of fingerprints and DNA testing and body cams or surveillance video, any of that. So what was really important to figure out what happened in a disputed situation was the eyewitness testimony of people. So witnesses were held to a very high standard. If you were going to say something in a, in a disputed case, and if it was found out that you lied, you would sometimes be subject to the same penalty that the accused was subject to. So if you lied about a murder and the penalty was death, you could be put to death for lying for that. In ancient times, this teaching about bearing false witness and telling the truth was really, really important. It was important for society. It was important for the social fabric of the time. Because if people lied, then it would be chaos. So there were strict rules in place to encourage truth-telling. Fast forward to our times, especially the last 10 or 20 years, which has been filled with politicians and prominent leaders, including many religious leaders, who lie on a regular basis and distort the truth on a regular basis. You could probably get away with calling our age the age of alternative facts, this time when we've gotten so used to not believing people, public officials especially. It's really kind of sad. Joseph Goebbels was the head of propaganda in Nazi Germany, and there's a quote that's broadly attributed to him where he said, let's see if I get it right, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. Just keep saying the same thing over and over again without any truth, eventually people, it's going to soak in. Whether or not he actually said that, there sadly are people today who live by that and keep repeating the same false claims over and over and over again. Part of the inspiration for our Word Power series was recognizing the importance of words in our time, in our culture, especially in 2024 when we're in an election year and when we're going to be inundated with campaign speeches and phone calls and mailers and emails talking about various candidates. 
So I think as people of faith, people of faith who are concerned about loving their neighbors and making this world a better place, we need to be really tuned into how words are used and be good stewards of those words. In this environment of alternative facts, I'm grateful for people who remind us of the importance of truth-telling. There's a book that I mentioned a couple times by Marilyn uh, McIntyre. It's called Caring for Words in a Culture of Lies, and she challenges us to do the hard work of truth-telling. On page 60, she writes, If there is to be health in the body politic and in our faith communities, healing involves naming the insults and offenses. It involves holding each other and our leaders accountable. It means clarifying where there is confusion, naming where there is evasion, correcting where there is error, fine-tuning where there is imprecision, satirizing where there is folly, changing the terms where the terms falsify. Truth-telling seems to be a burden and a responsibility for a good citizenship. And I'd say for faithful discipleship as well. Part of our history, um, we look at our country, we look at the way we've learned things. We look at the way we've learned things as a society over the years. Um, The good news is that truth eventually rules the way. Over and over again, things that were believed have been found to be untrue, like the world isn't flat or the sun doesn't revolve around the earth or smoking isn't good for us like we were led to believe decades ago or that it's not not bad for us. As a country, we continue to wrestle with what truth means and how to make that truth real. Um, 200 50 plus years ago, we have our Declaration of Independence, and in the second paragraph, we read with this bold announcement, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We know from our history, however, that these truths were initially pretty much only available to white, male, land-holding people. They weren't self-evident for women, slaves, Native Americans, people who were poor. We've moved closer to this ideal of equality for every one of these self-evident truths, but we're not there yet. So this, I think, is a good example of how we need to keep our minds open to how truth, in a general sense, is evolving, and maybe our understanding of truth is evolving. We're in the midst of discovering new truths as well in our society and in our world. Over the last several decades, we have learned a lot and come to new truth understandings about human sexuality in terms of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people, learning a lot about things that we thought were settled facts in recent history. It doesn't take a lot of digging to realize that this and the, this example and others, there are plenty of examples of where truth isn't always simple and clear, black and white. Some things we believe to be true turn out to be not quite true, so we have to keep an open mind. So the question for me at this point is, how do we figure out what's true? 
It would be a whole lot easier if everything were black and white, right and wrong, yes and no, true and not true, but it doesn't always work like that. So again, I turn to the wisdom of Marilyn McIntyre. She writes, to discern truth, we must listen with all our might, with all our will discern, laying aside our very human desire to be right with a prayer that we may be faithful. So to discern the truth, I think it's essential that we have the sense of humility, which is why I think the prayer of confession is so important in our worship service together, and really asking, praying God, teach us your ways, help us to learn your truth. So we do our best to discern this truth. And in general, we need to tell the truth, but there are circumstances, as Megan suggested with the kids, when it's not crystal clear that sometimes the straight-out flat truth is not the best way to respond to a situation. Let's take, take a hypothetical situation that you kind of touched on, um, but let's pretend a friend of yours gets some new clothes, and they think their new clothing is absolutely beautiful and stunning, but nobody else does. Like, say, for instance, you get a shirt with your picture pasted all over it, a Hawaiian shirt with your own image. That's, that's nobody that I know. That was on a website. That's I'm not, you know, it's not Ben Welch. It's not anybody else in this congregation. But um, let's say, you know, pick your favorite tacky shirt, and somebody walks into the party and think, I, look, at the, look at this blue, isn't this the best you've ever seen? And everybody else is, is kind of like that. How do you respond to that? You probably just don't want to say, Charlie, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. You look ridiculous, go home. There's probably other ways of working with that. So we have to be intentional and deliberate and careful with our words. In a much more serious kind of um, setting, you know, think about a, the horrible situation where you've got a friend who's um, got a deranged co-worker who's chasing them and your friend comes and hides in your house and the deranged co-worker is pounding on the door said where's your friend where's your friend and your friend's in your bedroom that's probably a good time to lie right I'm not going to stand here very often and say good times to lie but that would be a good time to lie and say I don't know so there's all sorts of nuance in black and white with it which is why that quote is really important about being prayerful and being discerning and being wise about what the truth is and how we can do this. So, scripturally, the guidance comes to us from Ephesians with this admonition to speak the truth in love with the hope that we continue to grow, grow in every way as Christians. That's probably the best scriptural wisdom that I know of for how to use our words. Speak the truth in love, which to me means that we need to plug into what God's love is and try to find ways to make it real in the world, which is why I love this church. We talk about learning God's love and living God's love. We try to figure out what that is and speak the truth in love in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Those of you reading the book of Exodus might have noticed in the very first chapter of the book, there's a big, fat lie that is told by two women. It's rather striking that in the beginning of Exodus, so many women feature prominently, and there's two women who are given names in the Bible. If you have a name, that means you're somebody important. So in this first chapter in Exodus, we learn about these two Hebrew midwives named Shipra and Puah. I hope you remember those names, because they were asked by Pharaoh 
Pharaoh, who was afraid of all these immigrant Hebrews that were growing in population, he wanted them to kill all the baby boys. The midwives feared God. Fear having, means had a sense of honor or respect for God. They did not do as the king commanded them. They defied the power of empire. They let the boys live. So the king called them in. Imagine being called, you know, you're a lowly midwife immigrant. You're called before the, the ruler of the empire. Why have you done this? Why have you defied me? And they look him in the eye, maybe, maybe not, but they, they said to him, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, they give birth so fast, by the time we get there, the babies are already out. They lied to the empire. I have a feeling they are a good example of speaking the truth in love. They discerned between them that the bigger picture here was love rather than tell the truth, risking their own lives, because Pharaoh could have said, you're lying you know, off with your heads. The text tells us that God dealt with the midwives faithfully and well, that God appreciated their lie. First chapter of the book of Exodus. So again, I'm not an advocate for lying in general, but there are times when we need to find the truth in other ways. We need to be smart, we need to be faithful, we need to be prayerful, we need to be humble, we need to be courageous like these women were. And I don't think it's a coincidence that there are two of them listed here, right? So many times in the Bible, there's stories of people who do things in pairs. A couple chapters later, Moses, <clears throat> excuse me, Moses gets called by God, and he's not up to the task. So God says, well, bring Aaron with you. You know, two's better than one. I'm guessing that one midwife by herself might not have had the courage or the faith to defy the empire, but they probably talked about it. They probably worked together. Maybe they prayed together and they said, we can't, we can't kill these babies. We can't do this. And so together, right, they wrestled with the truth and they, they figured out what the best next steps were, which is why community is so, so important. You know, glad to have online community on a day like today when people can, can be with us and we're, we're all learning and growing together. I'm going to close by referencing one of the best-known poems of Emily Dickinson. I'm guessing a few of you might have already been thinking about this as we're reflecting on truth today. This poem of hers begins, tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies. Too bright for our infirm delight, the truth's superb surprise. To me, Emily Dickinson's trying to tell us that we're not quite sure what the truth is or how to reach it or how to find it or how to get there. Um, it seems to suggest that truth is elusive. And some interpreters will hear this poem in terms of the Christian gospel, knowing that Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and probably knowing the reality of the Christian life, that it takes time and circling around and, and, and wandering in the wilderness and trying to figure out what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, what it means to be loved by God and called to a new life. Here at Covenant, I think we recognize that. We recognize that, that uh, Christian life is a journey, a journey towards healing, courage, purpose, and meaning, and truth. The journey requires other people, 
Just like Shipra and Puah found each other, we have each other, and it requires persistence. So good for you for coming to church on a lousy day and taking another step forward on the Christian journey and wrestling with, with who we are and who we're called to be. It seems appropriate to close by citing, I'm going to walk over to the baptismal font here, on this day when we're remembering baptism. At the close of every baptism that I officiate, I use the words from first letter of John that remind us of who we are, the fundamental truth of who we are. The scripture says, see what love God should have for us, that we should be called children of God, for that is what we are. Baptism reminds us, just as Jesus heard the words 2,000 years ago, that we are beloved children of God, that we're loved by God. We're given this love. We're given the word. We're given the light, meant to welcome that, take it in, and share it with one another. So thanks be to God that we are the beloved children of God here at the baptismal font, called to a new life, a life of truth and faith and hope and love. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, thank you for the gift of this day. Thank you for the gift of baptism, for claiming us and giving us a new identity as your people. Help us to live into this identity. Help us to continue discovering and learning your truth, the truth of your love for us, the truth of your love for the world. Help us discover how you want us to live as your people this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.